And so to pray and say, God, come in and tear my wall down, that's not necessarily uh, the fullness of the spiritual reality that has to take place. What, we, what, we, what we're saying is I give you permission because I want the wall to come down. And I realize I can't tear it down by myself. So I need somebody bigger than me to come in, and I need you, God. I give you permission to come in and tear the wall down. And so what I would feel to do for just the next few moments, I wonder who in the house right now may would have walls built in your life that you need the foundations to begin to shake and you need the Spirit of God to begin to shake those things so that those walls would begin to come down. I wonder now as we once again would lift our hands, I wonder who in the room would give God permission to begin to tear that wall down. Somebody's got to get to the place where you don't want the wall anymore. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. (laughs) Yes. Come on, I think we can, I feel something in the house right now. Come on, somebody give him permission right now. We can talk in tongues and shout and dance all we want, and walls will stay up in our lives. But I wonder right now who in this room would lift your hands and lift your voice and say, God, tear the wall down. I don't want it anymore. I give you permission to come into that area of my life and tear that wall down. I'm not going to hold that part of my life from you. Come on, we got time for this right here. I said, we got time for this right here. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. The word of the Lord says something to the extent of the Lord will work. Who will let him? Who will let him? Come on, who's going to let him work in your life right now? Come on, who's going to let him work in that particular area of your life right now? Tear it down, God. Tear it down, God. Tear it down, God. I give you permission. I don't want it anymore. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Let it be your prayer now. Be exalted. Be exalted. Be exalted. Higher and higher. Be exalted. Be exalted. Be exalted higher and higher. Come on, sing it. Be exalted, Jesus. Be exalted, Jesus. Higher, higher. Be exalted. This is our prayer today.
Be exalted, be exalted. We lift you higher, God. We lift you higher, God. Yes. One more time. Be exalted. Be exalted. Be exalted. Come on, somebody lift your voice and exalt him in this house. Your own words, your own way. I wonder if somebody could lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords right now. He is worthy to be exalted in this place. Oh, he's worthy. It don't matter what we came in here with. It don't matter how we might feel in our bodies right now. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy to be exalted. Everybody said amen. So good to have each and every one of you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Got a few more back even from your days of quarantine and you're in service with us today. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his continued mercy. Come on, for his continued healing power and his touch. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I mean, no, God's good to us. He's good to us. So blessed and honored to have each and every one of you here today. Amen. I want to speak today on this subject, through the storm. Turn to your neighbor and just, just tell him, if you'll, just say this, say, if you'll allow him, God will help you through the storm. Maybe tell two or three other people the same thing. Turn your attention this morning to the gospel according to Matthew. It's here where we find that Jesus has just fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. The multitudes have have all eaten. Twelve baskets full have remained. And then it says this in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Matthew 14. 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship 
and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, but the ship that the disciples were in was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. It's not going to be real deep or profound today, but I do believe the Lord would desire to help somebody before we leave the house. I want to speak to somebody today who knows what it's like to be in a storm. I want to speak to the individual who knows full well what it's like to have your, the ship of your life to be tossed on the contrary waves of economic adversities and family disharmonies, spiritual inadequacies. I want to speak to those who know what it's like to use Every ounce of energy you possess in your pursuit of a pleasurable present and a fulfilled future only to be pushed back by the incessant winds of loss and pain. I'm talking to those who planned on being further along than where you currently find yourself today. You had a dream that included so much more than what you have been able to squeeze out of your life up until this point. When you began your journey, you had some goals in mind. You had some things you just knew you were going to accomplish, but storms have come. Storms have invaded your mind and tumultuous Trying times have seemingly been your constant companion. And because of that, you have resigned yourself to the contemptible conclusion that life will never be better than what it is right now. Hope is merely something spoken of, but never something to actually obtain. A comfort A comfort can only be felt in that fleeting moment of calm between two crashing waves. Am I speaking to anybody in the house today? Home seemingly shattered, addiction quite possibly out of control, pain that is unbearable physically, emotionally, spiritually, mental anguish is incessant, negative thoughts are ever increasing, rays of hope are constantly dimming, celebration has been turned into lamenting, hoping has been replaced with coping. The reason for laughter are few and far between and yet the reason for tears seem to find you around every corner. I wonder if somebody in the house would simply get honest today and admit your life is not all what you would want your life to be. You're afraid of the consequences of your life's choices. And you really don't know which way you're supposed to go and what decisions you're supposed to make in order to get back on track. 
I just wonder if there's anybody who will simply be willing to push past the veneer and lay aside the mask long enough to admit the fact that you're hurting in more ways than what everybody around you even knows. Is there anybody who knows what it's like to go through some storms? It's to you I speak today, even if it's only four or five in the room, the Lord would have me to minister and minister more correctly through me to you. It is to you that I speak in order to inform you of the next verse that we read in our story. For the next verse says this, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25. Now remember the disciples are out in the boat. The waves are crashing all around them. The wind is blowing incessantly. We get to Matthew 14 and verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. The first thing this shows us, just give me your minds for just a few moments here this morning. The first thing this shows us is that Jesus always comes to where we are, even if it's in the middle of a storm. I said, I know it's simple, but somebody needed to hear that word right there. I've come to let somebody know that even right now, God has made his way to where you are. The presence of the Lord is here. What you felt a few minutes ago and continue to feel even in this room right now is none other than the presence of the Lord. It's not emotionalism. It's not hype. It's not something we've conjured up. It's not something we've worked up in this room. But what you feel is the presence of Almighty God in this house. And the reason you feel Him is because He knows right where you are, even when you don't know where you are, even when the storm has tossed you so violently that you've lost all sense of space and time and you don't know the direction from where you've come and the direction from where you're going, even when you're lost, God's not lost. Even when you're confused, God's not confused. Even when you're messed up, God's not messed up. Even when you don't know where you are, God knows exactly where you are and he'll come to you even in the middle of a storm. Woo! Oh, so somebody needs to know if that is true, which it is, then therefore somebody needs to know that the deliverer has made his way to where you are today. Somebody needs to know that the miracle worker has moved up right alongside of you on that chair today. Somebody needs to know the savior of your soul is right there beside you. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is with you right now. I know you're lost, but he's not lost. He'll come to you in the middle of your storm because he knows right where you are. Oh, it's just possible these last couple weeks and last couple months, some people have been so lost and so confused and you've been out of it and you've been so, uh, life has so thrown you for a loop and you didn't know what to do or how to go or where to go or what to accomplish. Your life is not like what your life used to be and there was so much confusion. But can I tell you, the Holy Ghost is here to you today. The Holy Ghost can come to you and he has has come to you and he'll continue coming to you even in the middle of your storms. Anybody glad about it? Woo. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad he's, Sister Vera, I'm glad he's not just with me in the good days. 
<laughs> I'm glad he's not just with me when I'm well. I'm glad he's not just with me when I got everything going good. I'm, not, I'm glad he's not just with me when I got money in my pocket, but I'm glad he's with me when I'm sick, and I'm glad he's with me in the storm, and I'm glad he's with me when I don't have anything, and I'm glad he's with me when it's all crazy, and I'm glad he's with me when I don't know what to do. I'm glad he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. Ooh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Can I tell somebody, don't be overwhelmed by the shadow because there has to be light in order for there to be a shadow. Don't get so consumed by the shadow. You got to know if there's a shadow, it's because light is around here somewhere. I'm here to tell you in the middle of the shadow of death, God, the light is right there with you. Don't get so focused on the darkness. Don't get so focused on the shadows. Don't get so focused on the confusion that you fail to remember that the light of Jesus Christ is right there with you. So it is, Matthew 14, 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. But then it says and specifically allows us to understand that he was walking on the sea. He didn't take a boat. He wasn't rowing out to them. He walked on the sea. And so, therefore, the revelation we need to understand from this second portion of Verse 25 is the fact that he has not shown up to simply be a spectator. But hear me now, he has shown up walking over that which is trying to put you under. <laughs> I said he's walking over what's trying to put you under. He's shown up to exercise his power over the very thing that's trying to steal and kill and destroy all that is precious in your life. They thought the storm was what was going to put them under, but God said, let me just show you what I can do. I'm going to walk on it. Somebody needs to hear the preacher right now. God has not shown up to simply make a bad situation a little bit better. But rather he's here and he has shown up to tear down every obstacle and set right every wrong in order that you may walk in the way that he intended for you to walk in the beginning. He hasn't come to just soften the blows a little bit. He hasn't come to just take the edge off the pain a little bit. But he has come that we might have life and that we would have it more abundantly. He's come to let us know I can walk over what's trying to put you you under he didn't come with a few moments respite in his hands he has come with deliverance in his hands Woo! the book of Malachi doesn't tell us that he has come with temporary relief in his wings but it tells us he has come with healing in his wings 
The prophet Isaiah tells us that he has come to give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for those that are mourning. And if that wasn't enough, Isaiah would pin it and tell us that our God has the power to take away the spirit of heaviness and replace it with a garment of praise. He didn't come in the moment of our spirit of heaviness to just give us a little pat and give us a little talk in tongues and give us a little dance, but walk out of this place the same way that we came. No, he said, I'll replace it. I'll replace it. I'll replace the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to get, I just feel in this house, somebody came in heavy. But before you leave this house today, you're going to begin rejoicing. You're going to begin praising God. Hey, you might even run an aisle or two. Hey, you might even remember what it was like to dance under the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he didn't come to just give you a little feel good. He came to replace the garment, the, uh, the spirit of heaviness. For a garment of praise. Come on, somebody praise him now. Praise him, praise him, praise him. You came in weary, praise him. You came in down. You came in dark, praise him. You came in discouraged, praise him. You came in depressed, praise him. Let me, let me say this, and I'm, I'll move on and sit in my notes, but I feel it from, from what I spoke about at the beginning. You've got to let him take off the spirit of heaviness. If you fight for it, he won't be able to do nothing with it. But if you'll just say, take it, then he'll give you a garment of praise. I wonder who in the house, just for 30 seconds, if I'm preaching to three people, I wonder if those three people right now would just throw your hands up and say, take the spirit of heaviness from me right now. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to be heavy like this anymore. I don't want to be discouraged like this anymore. I don't want to be downtrodden like this anymore. I don't want to be fearful like this anymore. Take it, take it, take it, take it. And when you do, replace it. Replace it with praise. When you replace it, I'm going to begin to praise and magnify the King of Kings. Woo! Yes! 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 I've been down long enough. I've been struggling long enough. I've been confused long enough. I've been in turmoil long enough. Take it. Take it. Woo. 
Yes. Yes. Woo. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. I might still be going through it, but I'm going to praise you. I've been complaining the last six weeks, but I'm going to start praising you right now. <laughs> Garment of praise, a spirit of heaviness. Garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Oh, mm. Jesus, Jesus. Could we one more time praise him in the house? Come on, could we one more time praise him in the house? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. church said amen so we understand this is what he does beauty for ashes oil of joy for those who are mourning garment of praise spirit of heaviness but in my years of pastoring I found that it's it's the next part of our text that really keeps people from walking in the fullness of what God would want them to walk in. For look at what the next verse says, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 26. So Jesus is coming out, he's walking on the very thing that's trying to put them under. 
verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out in or for fear. So just think with me as we get into this last point before I close, but here was Jesus Christ himself walking on the sea to where they were to deliver them, right? To set them free, to bring them out. And the Bible says that they were troubled by him. They were afraid of him. And here's what I want you to notice for I, I, I can't see anywhere in the story where it's recorded that they were afraid of the storm. Now, I'm sure there was some concern on their part, the crashing waves, all this stuff, but it, it wasn't maybe seemingly enough to have been recorded in Scripture. But it does say that they were afraid and troubled by Jesus when he shows up to save them. Now, you have to remember that most of the men on the boat that night, the disciples, many of them were fishermen by trade before Jesus called them into the ministry. They were used to being out on the water. They were no doubt accustomed to a certain degree. Stay with me, I need your minds here. To these type of storms. This wasn't the first storm that they had ever been in. And I just have to believe that since they had been in these types of storms so many times before. Could it have been? that they had simply learned how to acclimate themselves to the storms. I'm sure they were scared out of their minds the first encounter they had with a storm. But could it be that over time they had simply learned how to adjust their actions so as to accommodate the storm that was raging all around them. I just have to wonder if their lack of fear was based upon the fact that they had been in these storms for so long that they had learned how to adapt their lives to the crashing of the waves, to the roaring of the winds, and to the beating of the boat. And yet, while they were not necessarily afraid of the storm, they were afraid of Jesus when he shows up to help them out of their storm. Think with me. And I looked at that and I saw in that verse the same exact thing that I see in so many lives who have walked in and out of this building. For there are those whose lives are incessantly battered by hardship and loss and pain and suffering and sin and problems that sin brings. 
that they have learned how. They have learned how to live their lives in such a way as to accommodate all of those issues. Oh yeah, like the disciples the first time they were in the storm. These people that I'm referring to, the first things and the first issues and the sins and the problems and the struggles of life it no doubt brought about great concern and trepidation in their minds, but they have lived with these things for so long that they're now simply learning how to adjust their actions. I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody. They've learned how to adapt their living so as to make the best of a bad situation. They no longer recoil as severely from the crashing of the waves for they've learned how to live out their lives in such a way as to cause the severity of the pain to be lessened if only for a little while. And when they are successful in that temporary respite, then they condition themselves that that is a positive And I will try to duplicate that temporary respite from the continual storm that's battering me. See, what are you preaching about? I'm talking about people that know they are in the wrong. They know they are in a relationship that is not fixing anything but it just lessens the pain for an evening. It quiets the storm for a moment. And that's all the hope. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. That's all the hope. That's all the peace. That's all the calm they're ever going to experience They know the relationship is wrong. They know they should never have been connected with this individual, but it is their way of a momentary calm in a perpetual storm. They know the pills they're popping ain't really working. They know it's That which they are ingesting is not taking it away. But if it'll take it away for an hour, that's how I've learned to navigate the storm. Ooh, Jesus, help us. I can't expect anything better than this, but if I can get a few hours of peace, I know it's going to be worse when I wake up, but if I can at least get a few hours. This is how I've learned to navigate, adjust myself to the storms. The storm has been so long. The 
pounding of the proverbial winds and waves have been so unremitting. The lies, the tears, the emptiness of years have been so persistent that the thought of real change has long been since tossed out the window. Now they're just hoping to get through another day. And this is what I do when this happens. And this is how I navigate this. And this is where I put myself when this happens. And by doing all of this like a chessboard of my life, I somehow make it. But not really. And yet even in that state and that pitiful of a predicament, watch, when Jesus shows up, they become afraid of him. And that which is associated with him, stay with me. Why? Because they realized that in order to gain him, they're going to have to lay aside some things. In order to walk with him, they'll no longer be able to walk in the direction that they're currently walking. And that causes for many for there to be fear that rises us up because what they have had is all they know. And hear me, and they're afraid to let it all go in order to receive something new. I got to make sense of this right here. When confronted in this room today, when confronted with the Savior of our soul, when confronted with this word, when confronted by all of the things that would surround the Lord, individuals become afraid because they have created coping mechanisms for getting by in the storm. Am I making any sense right now? And in order to accept him, in order to allow him into their life, they will have to do away with how they've learned to cope. And they're just not so sure that they can leave how they've coped with the storms. You don't understand. This is what I've been doing since I was a little girl. This is what I've been doing since I was a teenager. I've learned how to navigate the storm. No, it's not pleasant at all. I don't have any joy. I don't have any peace. But in order to just make it through the day, I've learned all of how to cope and how to work it and how to transition myself and where to go in my mind and where to go in reality. In order to get through the storm. And now Jesus shows up and tells me that he can bring me out of the storm. And now I've got a decision. Come on, Jesus. Woo. I've got a decision I gotta make. 
People who know that the walls that they have built up in their life are keeping out more than what they intended for it to keep out. But they don't know if they can allow God to tear the wall down. Because that's how they're coping with their realities. And what happens? What happens? What happens if I tear that wall down? That wall's been in my life. For a long time, preacher. This is how I deal. You don't know my story. You don't know, you don't know how I deal with all the stuff I got to deal with. I finally figured it out. No, it doesn't give me happiness, but at least I can make it through the day. Now, now, they're fearful. They're fearful because they're confronted by the very one who can actually free them. Peter, Peter, you've learned how to lash yourself to the boat so as not to be thrown overboard. Peter, I see you throwing out all of those needless things on the boat in order to lighten the load, in order to help try to make it through the storm. I see you tying down the hatches. I see you pulling in the sails and doing everything you've always done to make it through the storms. But if you'll stop doing those things and lift up your eyes, you'll see the Lord has made his way to where you are so you don't have to keep doing in your flesh that which helps you limp through the storm. But he is there. If you'll stop with your own control long enough to give him control, if you'll stop with your own abilities, with your own flesh long enough for as long as you're moving around trying to accomplish what you've always used to cope through another day, you're not ever going to lift your eyes to the horizon to see the fact that Jesus is walking to where you are. Fear. You have to be willing to give up control in order for him to take control of the storm. You can't keep doing, we can't keep doing life how we've learned to do it and do it the way he wants us to do it at the same time. We are either going to allow him to calm the storm by relinquishing total control to him or we're going to stay in our boat in the storm every day doing what we can do to just barely keep our head above water Jesus we need your help right now 
You want to be the one that keeps calling the shots? You want to be the one that keeps forcing the issues? You want to be the one that continues to mandate the route in which your life goes? Then God will be unable to take us by the hand and lead us down the path he desires for us to go. So who is it in the room right now who's troubled because you just don't know if you can do away with all the tricks you've been using to compensate for your emptiness so that you can in turn receive from the one who has come to give you more abundant life. And so as I close, listen very closely to the next verse. Towards the next verse, verse that is the crux of everything. Everybody with me today? Crux of everything, for it says this in Matthew 14 and 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. In that moment of fear, the Lord spoke to them and told them, Listen, you do not have to be afraid, for we never have to fear what God gives us. Yes, you're going to have to lay things down. Yes, you're going to have to lay aside the way you've been doing things. You're going to have to lay aside all your coping mechanisms. You're going to have to lay aside all of your control. You're going to have to lay aside all of the fact that you're trying to dictate everything in your life because you feel like if I dictate my life, then nobody can hurt me again. So I'll just tell everybody where to go and what to do and I'll build up every wall where I think it needs to build up. Yes, you will have to stop doing all of those things. But what you get in return. (laughs) Come on. You can keep controlling it and stay Oh, you think you're controlling it, but you're really not. You're controlling a little portion of it, but in reality, your storm and your boat is being rocked to and fro every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. I want to tell somebody today this. Hear me very carefully. If your way works, Why are you in the condition you are in today? Come on, let's just, let's just get beyond all the smoke here. All the reasoning, all the arguing, all the stuff. I got people sitting in the counseling session and they try and prove and prove and prove to me why their way works. And I want to tell them and I want to show them the reason you're here is because you're in so much pain. Why are you trying to convince me that I need to uh, counsel you to keep doing what you're doing? If what you were doing worked, we wouldn't be here today. 
Come on. Don't let the enemy convince you that what you're doing is working. It's not working. That's why you're staying in the storm. And if it's not working, stop being afraid of the fact that if I let some of this stuff go, I will get the deliverer. I will get the Savior. I will get... Yeah, you got to give up some stuff. Yeah, you got to give up control. But what you're going to get in return is the fact that the God of all heaven, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, who loves you more than anybody, he's going to take you by the hand and he's going to say, now that I got control, let me show you the path I want you to go down. It's going to be a path of joy. It's going to be a path of peace. Come on, somebody stand to your feet and give God praise in this house. Woo! You got to give up control, sir. You got to give up control, ma'am. Jesus, help us right now. Speak to somebody's heart right now. And the next verse proves perfectly. I think I've said I'm closing three times. But you are standing, so that's hope. But look at what Peter says. or Matthew 14 and verse 28. And Peter answered him. Lord said, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. To go to Jesus. Now notice, notice. He set aside everything he had learned about coping with storms. And he simply stepped out of the boat in simple belief that Jesus would be able to take care of him far better in the storm than anything that he could have done on his own. Hear me. When he stepped out of that boat, he was going against everything that had been taught to him about surviving in a storm. The last thing you do in a storm is get out of the boat. This is what had been taught to him. This is what had been hammered into him. If you're going to just survive a storm, if you're just going to barely make it through the storm, you never get out of the boat. But there was something that rose up in him that day that said, I no longer need those things to help me in the storms. For my Jesus has come to save me. Therefore, I'm going to put my faith and I'm going to put my confidence in him and I'm going to allow him to help me. Not what I've done for years. Not what I've learned. Not what others have taught me. But I'm willing to let all that go. All the coping go. All of the control go. And I'm just going to step out of the boat. And I'm going to give my life to him. And so, so, in this room today, those who are in a storm, the deliverer is here. Yeah, you're being rocked. 
Yes, the storms of your life are battering and bruising brutally your life. But I wonder if you would pause from all you've used to cope. Pause. Lift your eyes. Just lift your eyes. He's right there. He's right there. So we have a choice. We we have a choice today. We have a choice in this room today. Will we keep doing it like we've been doing it? Will we keep controlling, dictating the course of our lives because this is how we want to do it in our flesh? Or will we be willing to leave that all aside and step out of the boat in total faith and confidence? God, I'm here. And I am relinquishing all of that because my faith in you and in your ability to help me through is greater than my faith in mine own abilities. Mm. I wonder if somebody could lift your hands right now in the presence of Almighty God. It's the will of God for somebody to give up control today. Not so you would be out of control, but so that you would be in his control. Somebody needs to be, have revelation that giving up control doesn't mean out of control. It just means you're in the control of someone who can do far better than what we can do. I wonder if somebody could lift your voice right now. Could you do that? This auditorium is our altar. Come on, that's it. Ye lobo koto ye la rara basata ye lobo koto ye la rara basata ye lobo koto ye la rara basata